Good morning, Greenville Oaks. This is a, a significant day for me and my ministry here at Greenville Oaks. Uh, I normally don't like to talk about my ministry, <clears throat> but somebody very close to me has told me that it would be totally inappropriate not to today. Uh, because tomorrow I'm starting a new job. Uh, the uh, the elders, if, if you're a guest here or hadn't been around for a couple of weeks, the elders have asked that I move into a role of executive minister here and kind of help manage things, ministries, and ministers, and programs, and policies, and procedures, and all of that to try to give a, a, a better focus and uh, to what God is wants to do here. And I, I never imagined that... Uh, that at age 59 I'd be going into a new career, but, but I am. And, uh, and so it, it made me stop and think back about the last 20 years. I started preaching for the church here uh, 20 years ago, and, and a lot's happened in that time. Actually, I didn't start preaching for the church here. We were over there in the, in the metal building. Uh, we affectionately referred to as the body shop. <clears throat> and uh, we've seen a lot that God has done in that time. We've seen a new location, we've seen a new facility, seen a new name, uh, new people, new, new ministries, all kinds of wonderful things that God has done. And I am so, so thankful for that. God has blessed me tremendously in the time that I've been here. Uh, I've been blessed to work with a, a group of elders that is as fine as any group I've ever known. Uh, I've been blessed to work with a, a staff of ministers, work beside them and along with them that are second to none in any church anywhere. I've been <clears throat> blessed to work with the support staff that, that are just outstanding. They, they keep us out of the ditches. They, they keep us on the straight and narrow. And Denise Taylor has worked uh, alongside me as my particular administrative support person for almost all of those 20 years. And I cannot tell you uh, what a great debt I owe her for, for keeping, me, uh, keeping me straight and keeping me on, in, in tow. But most of all, I've been blessed to work with the church family here. Uh, wouldn't trade this church and my time in this church for any church anywhere any place, any time. You have, uh, you have been gracious and encouraging and accepting, and loving and forgiving. And there have been plenty of opportunities for you to be forgiving. And, uh, and I thank you for that. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for, for the privilege of serving as your preaching minister for these years. Uh, and still believe that the best years for Greenville Oaks are in the future, not in the past. Excited to see what God is going to do here and where he's going to lead us. As I, as I thought back over the last 20 years, thinking about what God has been doing and how wonderful he has been to us, I couldn't help but think about all the blessings that, that we've experienced here as a church family. Um, just 
the, the ones that we already mentioned this morning in the video, uh, the freedom to worship without being afraid of, of persecution. I know sometimes we think our culture is, is kind of persecuting us, looking down on Christians. We don't know what persecution is compared to other places in the world where so many, if maybe the majority of Christians have severe persecution they encounter. But, but the blessings just here in this country, the blessings that we have had from the, the people who are here, the, the talents and gifts that they have, the hearts that they have, the, the wonderful spirit of, of Christ that we see that God has given has been such a, such a tremendous blessing. And it, it just blows me away to think about that. I was talking to someone this week. We were having breakfast, and he was talking about, uh, telling me a little bit about the church that his, his wife grew up in. And it wasn't that dissimilar to maybe something that some of you have experienced. He said she was, she was in this church, and it was, uh, it was a place where they really focused on getting things right, all the externals, you know, how you do church and how you do this. And Everybody's got to believe like this and think like this and act like this and all of those things. The focus was, was really about that. And I know it would be a surprise, but because of that, there were a lot of, uh, well, controversies and arguments and, and some, some fighting that went on. And, and in churches like that, there were a lot of what we euphemistically referred to as church plants because this group decided they couldn't be there anymore, so they went off somewhere else and started a church over there. And he, he said that she still bears some scars from those times. A lot of people have ex- had experiences where they have, they have hurts and scars from things that people intended well but the outcome was, was hurtful to people and dishonoring to the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that God gave me a vision for a church 20 years ago or before. that They wouldn't do it that way. You see, I believe that Jesus meant what he prayed for in John chapter 20 when he prayed that we'll all be one. I believe that Jesus intended the body of Christ, the church that bears his name, to be a place that, that just accepts people and loves people, that, that we care about the word, we care about the truth, but we care about people most of all because that's who Jesus died for. That's what Jesus came here for. I believe that God gave me a vision for a church to be a place where you could go and you didn't have to be conservative or progressive or or at some particular point in between, but whoever you were, wherever you were, you just were going to be loved and accepted and encouraged, belong to God and, and be his child. And I'm thankful that God's given us a blessing of a church like that. I'm glad that God's given us a place where as a, as a community we can come together and we don't have to put on some facade. We don't have to be something that we're not. We don't have to pretend all that but I can come with my, my, all my messes in my life and my junk and my sin and, and you'll accept me and, and, and you can come and I'll accept you. And we, we'll challenge each other on that. We're not satisfied with that. But we don't kick anybody out because of that. 
These are all gifts from God. We didn't make it happen. We didn't earn them. We don't merit them. It's just God's grace, God's gifts that, that makes it that way. There's people that love God and, and are totally devoted to wanting to be his people in, in churches all over the place that haven't had that kind of a blessing. There's no reason we should have it that they shouldn't. It's just that God has been so good to us, so generous with which got me thinking. Jesus said something in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. He said, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. The question is, have we been given much? Man, without a doubt, we have been given so much. We have been provided incredible blessings in Jesus Christ. So then, what is it that God requires of us? With all of the blessings he's given, what does he require? What does he expect? When you, when you look at the community around us, it's not a really encouraging picture. I was looking at the uh, Association of Religious Data Archives about kind of where things are this, this past week, where things are right here in Collin County. You can Google it if you want to look it up. Did you know that 24% of the people in Collin County, less than one in four, claim to be adherents of an evangelical church? An adherent... That's an interesting word. Don't think, don't confuse that with somebody being really committed to and involved in and, and serving in a church. You can be an adherent of a church and, and, and not even worship there very often. You can show up once or twice a year. You're an adherent of that church. You know what the number one category in Collin County today is? 48%, more than any other group, 48% of people are what they categorize as unclaimed in their faith. It means they don't, claim, they don't claim to belong to anything. 48%. Almost, almost every other person you meet has no faith life, has no spirit. We have an incredible challenge right here around us. But that's just statistics. That's just facts and figures, you know. Let's, let's do a little experiment with me, would you? I brought my phone. I never bring my phone in here. But I want you, please, to get your phone or your wallet or your purse or whatever, wherever it is that you have a picture of people that you care about. These are my four granddaughters. Somebody you care about. Just get it out and look at it. Let's make this real, okay? Get it out. Phone, wallet, just get a picture of somebody that really, really matters to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're really narcissistic. Then get your driver's license out. Look at that, okay? That's all right. 
Or if you've got grandkids, tell the person, now tell the person next to you, show them that picture. Just show them the picture and tell them, tell them who that is and how precious they are to you, how special they are to you. Go ahead, you can talk. This is your time to talk. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? Now let me ask you something. Okay. How many of you, and I want a show of hands on this, okay? This is audience participation day. How many of you have someone or someones who is really, really special to you, who you love dearly? that you're concerned about their spiritual welfare. You're really concerned about them. I do. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Keep it up. Now look around the room. Just look around. Let me tell you something. God cares about every single person that we care about. God cares about every single person in this church. God cares about every single person in Collin County, in Texas, in America, in the world. You will never meet a single person for whom Jesus didn't go to the cross. Never. God cares deeply for those people. So let me ask you this. When God looks at our world, what does he see today? What does he see out there? I think he sees messed up families. I think he sees marriages that are on the rocks, that are a sham of what they intended were intended to be. I think he sees kids running around getting into trouble. I think he sees mounting levels of sexual confusion and promiscuity. Did you catch the the Supreme Court's ruling on the Defense of Marriage Act this past week? It just keeps getting worse, folks. When, When God looks around, I think he sees rampant greed and corruption and materialism and arrogance. When God looks at the world, I think he sees a value system that is just completely out of whack. It just doesn't make any sense. But we can't stop long enough to realize it and, and it just keeps going the same direction and it just keeps getting worse and worse. When God looks at the world, he sees people that don't even think about their spiritual life. They don't even think about their soul. They don't even think about their destiny. They don't even think about sin or, or Jesus Christ. I mean, the only thing some people, it's getting to where it's most people know about Jesus is what they see when they see Christians who are supposed to represent him acting in unloving and uncaring and hateful ways to people that don't agree with them. And the reason that they haven't decided about Jesus Christ, they haven't made a commitment to him is not because they've given it carefully reasoned thought and come to a conclusion that it's not good. It's because the culture, the tidal wave of culture is so strong and so overwhelming. They just don't think about it. They just get swept up in that and we go along and people by the thousands are not having anything to do with Jesus. When God looks down at Collin County, 
What does he see the spiritual needs of this area are? There's so many we can't even, we can't even count them. And I think, I think God has a burden for all of the people that we have a burden for that's just absolutely overwhelming. I believe God has a sense of urgency about doing something about that. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that we rub shoulders with, that we, we, we live next to, that we drive down the road beside with a great sense of urgency. If you've driven down the freeway lately, you know there are people out there with a sense of urgency to get where they're gonna go, but it's not just on the freeway. It's, it's, it's in everything that we do. People in their workplaces have a great sense of urgency. I was reading uh, something a guy, this, reading this week, something a guy had said about his sense of urgency. He said, you know, you know at the company I work for, uh, publicly, what we say that we're about, what we really focus on and care about are things like, like quality, excellence, you know, customer satisfaction, innovation, all of that kind of stuff. And that's true. We really do care about that. But privately, you know what we wake up in the morning thinking about? We wake up in the morning thinking, how can we put our competition out of business? How can we be so good, so strong, that our competition just sort of shrivels up? Now, we don't, we don't say that publicly. We don't put it on our website. We want to drive the competition out of business. We don't put that on our stationery or our promotional brochures. We don't do that. We talk about quality and excellence and, and, and customer service and innovation and all that kind of stuff, and, we, and that's true. But, but the reality is every morning we wake up thinking, how are we going to put our competition out of business? How are we going to be so strong, so well-organized, so, so good at what we do? that they're going to be emotionally defeated and psychologically destroyed and organizationally irrelevant. That's what we think. You get a sense of urgency there? How much urgency do we have about what God has called us to do in his kingdom? Now, I shouldn't have to say this, but let let me make sure this is clear. We need to understand who our competition is. People get confused about this sometimes. Our competition is not other churches, folks. Our competition is not somebody that that doesn't do it or, or understand it or believe something exactly the way that we do. They're on the same side we're on. They're our allies, not our adversaries. They're not our, our opponents. We need to thank God for all of the churches that are lifting the name of Jesus Christ. We need to thank God for Chase Oaks and for Watermark and for Stonebriar and for Fellowship Church and, and for every church around. We need to thank God for, for the Lutheran church down the road here or the Presbyterian church next door or the, the Presbyterian church, I should say, next door or the Methodist church beside them or the Baptist church around the corner. We need to thank God for the vineyard and the harvest and the fellowship and, the, and all of those churches, for Bible churches, for the disciples of Christ and the Christian church and the Quakers and anybody else. We thank God for those people. Because they're pushing back the forces of darkness. And that's our job. That's our mission. That's what God calls us to do. 
You see, Jesus is the one that thought up the church. He's the one who founded the church. He built it. You know what he said our job is? Turn over to Matthew chapter 16 if you've got your Bibles with you. If not, it's on the screen. Matthew 16, verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's our, that's our competition. That's our opposition is hell itself. Jesus said, when we are doing what he's calling us to do, the gates of hell can't stand up to us. Now, we get confused about that. We, we kind of misunderstand this sometimes. Maybe you've never thought of it this way, but I hear a lot of people talk, and from listening to them, it's pretty clear that they have this idea that, that we're talking about fighting the forces of darkness, and they view it as a defensive struggle, that we're under this attack by evil, that, that, that we have to, they say things like, you know, we have, to, we have to defend the faith and we have to stand up for this and we have, to, we have to keep from being overwhelmed by all of this stuff because there's this overwhelming onslaught. There's this total all-out assault that the forces of hell are coming at us with. And so we have to hunker down and we have, to, we have to come together and just kind of hope that we can withstand it. That is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying right here in Matthew 16 that we have a mission to do. We have a job to do. And, they, and gates are a defensive thing, okay? Back then, they would have these big walled cities and, a, and an invading army would come along and they would get in the city and they had these massive gates. They would close and they would, they would barricade them to keep, keep the army from coming in. And that army would go and get these giant battering rams and they would hit it and hit it and beat on it until it fell down. And then they would go in and they would conquer the city. Yes, gates are a defensive posture. One little problem, he's not talking about the gates of the church. He's talking about the gates of hell. And he's saying, if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we're gonna knock down the gates of hell and we're gonna eradicate what hell is trying to do right here on earth. That's our mission. That's what God has called us to do. That's our competition. How are we doing? We look all around and we see evidence of what the kingdom of hell is doing in this world. Every time a child is unloved, unwanted, and uncared for. Hell is winning. Every time a marriage where two people looked into each other's eyes and with hearts overflowing with love and devotion pledged to be there for each other as long as they live, every time that marriage falls apart, hell is prevailing. Every time Generations of people fall out. They're not with each other. There's a separation, this isolation. Hell is winning. 
every time racial differences creep into a church or a community or a school or a neighborhood, hell is prevailing. Every time money gets worshipped and idolized and pursued above everything else and it determines somebody's value, their worth, their security, their dreams, then hell's winning. Every time somebody looks for value and security and happiness in, in a bottle of pills or a bottle of booze, every time somebody looks for it in sexual fulfillment, whether it's in person or online, hell is winning. Every time truth is trampled and lies are told, hell is winning. When families are broken up, when virtue gets torn down, when sinful desires create a life of hidden shame, or when sinful habits result in a culture of open, arrogant, sinless sinfulness, hell is winning. Jesus said, that's not why I put you here. You see, we only have one resource to beat down the gates of hell. Just one. And that's Jesus. We get confused about this sometimes. Over the last 20 years when I've been here, there's been a lot of confusion. There's been this idea that, you know, we just if we just get the religious right organized and motivated and doing stuff, if we can just get through political power or through some kind of campaigns or through some kind of this wonderful thing going on that we're going to really turn the tide We've been doing that for the last 20 or 30 years. Tell me, how's it working? I don't see it getting any better, folks. It's getting worse because that's not the answer. The answer is not politics. The answer is not money. The answer is not connections. The answer is not any of the things that the deceiver wants to get us thinking. That's what we need to pour ourselves into. That's not what we need to spend our time on because that's going to set everything right. It ain't going to happen. The only thing that is powerful enough to beat back the gates of hell is Jesus Christ himself. And we have it. I'm not sure we're doing a really good job of getting it out there. Our job as a church is not to keep some traditions going. Our job as a church is not to win religious arguments. Our job as a church is not to be about anything other than pushing back the gates of hell and bringing people into the kingdom of God and seeing God glorified. It's not to have a nice building or big crowds or the latest ministry programs or or big contributions. Folks, we're behind in our budget. We need to get serious about stepping up to the plate. I'm talking about the contribution plate, okay? We need to get serious about giving. But our job is not to meet a budget. All of those things are important. All of those things are good. But our purpose for being here is to drive down the gates of hell. That's the vision Jesus gave his church. That's what God calls us to do right here. 
to be so consumed with Jesus Christ, so filled with his spirit. It just starts to leak out. Wherever we go, whoever we're with, it it just sort of oozes out of our pores. And it's so powerful. It so permeates who we are and what we are that when whenever somebody's with us, it just starts to push back hell. In fact, we become these little Jesus-powered agents of the kingdom of God, and whenever the forces of hell see us coming, they think, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to have trouble today. It's going to be a bad day in hell today because of you and because of me, because we're doing what God has called us to do. I want to be a part of a community of people who are going to say, we want to put our competition out of business. We want to beat down the gates of hell. In our homes, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, all over this county. That's what God has called us to do. I don't know about you, but I want to spend the rest of my life being a part of the army of God that's knocking down hell's gates. Over the last 20 years, uh, people that are trying to do that, people that are sold out to God have been decreasing. Our fellowship is diminishing. It's not just our fellowship, all kinds of churches. The The population of our nation is growing and we're not even keeping pace, much less making inroads. Somebody said to me not that long ago, you know, compared to other churches around, Greenville Oaks isn't doing that bad. There's one problem with that. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he didn't say, on this rock, I'll build my church, and compared to others, it's not going to do too bad. That's not our job. It's not our mission. Our vision is to seek those who need Jesus Christ and together become his fully devoted followers, to be a place where people can come with all of their junk and find the one that can make it right. Our vision is to be a place where people are transformed from those that are beat up and run over by the world and by the forces of hell and transform them into the image of Jesus Christ himself. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead will begin to transform people controlled by sin and defeated by hell into people who begin to look more and more like Jesus. And the world will take notice as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom to present each other complete, mature in Jesus Christ. So that every single person in Collin County, every child without hope, every penniless junkie, every way too rich and arrogant business executive, will be transformed into the people that God created them to be. That's what happens when the gates of hell are broken down.
You see, we're not just about putting on better services. We're not just about the staff working harder. We're not just about launching some more programs or meeting a budget or filling up a building or any of that stuff. That's important stuff. That's good stuff. That's not what we're about. We exist to put hell out of business. How are we going to do that? Well, we're developing a plan. Our elders and staff are working through a vision on how to proceed so that God can transform us into a place that is continually beating back the gates of hell and making a difference in people's lives. People in our neighborhoods all over this county. And what, part of what we're doing is coming together to listen to each other, to listen to the Spirit of God speak through us. That's why we're doing the deep and wide discussion groups. If you haven't, if you weren't at one this past week, I hope you'll be a part of one. Read the book. It's just a, it's just a catalyst for us beginning talking about what God wants to do here. We're trying to learn together. What if we all prayed, God, how do you want to use me? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus tells his disciples how to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you think God's will is done in heaven? Think he has a problem with some of the angels up there? You think the saints that are there are kind of, kind of wishy-washy? Or is everybody just all in? I mean, totally sold out. Jesus said, I want you to pray that God's will is done here like it is there, that up there comes down here. Do you think he really meant that? Or is that just some words that we say every once in a while to kind of make ourselves feel better? If he meant it, then he's calling us to be all in. 100% sold out. Everything I've got. My time, my money, my energy, my resources, my attitudes, my habits, everything given to him. think it could happen? I think it could. Hell is winning right now. All you got to do is look at the statistics. Get your head out of the sand. Hell is winning. God's bigger than that. God's big enough to beat down the gates of hell and he wants us to join him in doing it. So that all over all over Collin County, in neighborhoods, in homes, in workplaces, in schools, everywhere we look, we start to see the kingdom of God break out. What if it happened? What if it happened like Jesus said? What if Collin County became a place where people were just loved regardless of what else was going on? Regardless of whether they were really good looking or kind of looked funny? regardless of whether they had a lot of money or not hardly any, regardless of whether they had, had a wonderful resume and all kinds of respect or were just kind of nobody, regardless of whether they had wonderful high values and morals or they had the morals of an alley cat, 
What if any of those people, all of those people were just loved and shown what it is to be a part of the family of Jesus Christ? What if in Collin County, divorce lawyers started having to find a different specialty to practice in because there just wasn't anybody getting divorced anymore? What if the, the, the hotline for abuse went silent because that just wasn't happening anymore? What if every single child in a school was told and communicated that they were loved and they were cared for? They had a dream. What if the porn sites and the sex shops just ran out of customers? What if the CEOs of big companies, instead of being known for their arrogance, were known for their humility? What if widows, instead of being pushed aside and forgotten about, were instead brought in and honored and loved and cared for? What if the kingdom of God broke out right here? Where people all over Collin County started to worship God, started to understand who he was. And every knee bowed and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When that happens, gates of hell will be torn down. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something like that. If you've got something to do with your life, if you've got something to do that's better than that, that's more God-honoring, more people-loving, more community-building, more life-transforming than that, then you need to go and start getting after it with everything you've got right now. But if you don't, then I hope you'll be a part of what God's doing here at Greenville Oaks in Collin County, Texas. And just say to him, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Let's pray together. Father, we 